Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 1 says this Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field uh, which the Lord God had made and he said unto the woman um, Yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent ye may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden but of the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden uh, God hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall you touch it lest you die. I just want to make reference to this in passing. I may come back to it and I may not. But that's not what God told Adam. That's not what God told him about the tree in the midst of the garden. In chapter number 2, verse number 17, God said this, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And, and just, just, just this one simple phrase, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said. Satan says these four simple words to Eve, and now Eve is doubting the word of God and even going against the word of God because Eve said this in verse number three, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. That's not what God said. God said nothing about touching that tree. God didn't tell them they couldn't touch that tree. Matter of fact, God told the, uh, uh, Adam that he was put into the garden uh, to tend to the garden, to prune the trees, to take care of the garden. Uh, um, so it wasn't that they couldn't touch it, but it was that they couldn't eat out of it. You said, preacher, why do you say I say that to say this. Isn't it amazing that Satan only spoke four words to her and already has her doubting God? Yeah. The power of Satan right there. The power of Satan. Look in verse number four. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then, uh, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as the gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman who thou gavest me, uh, who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. 
And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, Father, I pray over the next little bit this morning. God, that you'd help us and use us today. I pray, God, that you'd, Father, uh, help us recall the things that we've studied today. I pray, God, that you'd breathe on us afresh and anew today. I pray, God, that you'd help us to preach in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Father, I know that within myself I can do nothing to help anybody. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. In Jesus' name we pray, uh, amen and amen. As you remain standing this morning, I'm just picking. <laughs> I want to preach on this thought for just a little while this morning. Looking back in verse number five, the Bible said this, your eyes shall be open. In verse number seven, the Bible says this, and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And I want to preach on this thought with the help of the Lord a little while today. Knowledge from the forbidden fruit. Knowledge from the forbidden fruit. You see, after Adam and Eve had taken of the tree, uh, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, uh, the Bible shows us that there was some knowledge uh, that they gained uh, from that. Now prior to this, there's some knowledge that Adam had. Adam had knowledge. Uh, his creation was by the Lord. In chapter 2, verse number 7, Adam realized that God was the one uh, that had made him. Adam also had the knowledge that his communion uh, was with the Lord. Why was man made? And I've said this before, uh, but man was made uh, so that God could have fellowship with mankind. God wanted to fellowship with man. God wanted to walk with man and talk with man. Uh, and we see that even here uh, in chapter number three. So we see that Adam had the knowledge. Uh, his creation was by the Lord. His communion was with the Lord. But uh, Adam also had the knowledge uh, that his control was from the Lord. Look what the Bible said, and the woman said unto the serpent, uh, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, uh, but of the, the fruit of the tree uh, which is in the midst of the garden, God uh, hath said. Adam had the knowledge uh, uh, that he was controlled by the Lord. You see that Eve admits uh, uh, to knowing what God had said. Can I say this to you today? Uh, we know what what's right and we know what's wrong. Somebody give me an amen right there. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. We're living in a society today yet we're sitting in a good church this morning where I can say this not only from me but the other preachers that come through that preach the entire cancel of the word of God. We know what sin is today. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're not supposed to do but we find ourselves so many times uh, doing the things we're not supposed to do uh, and not doing the things we're supposed to do. Amen. 
And because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, we find that there is a knowledge that they gain from the forbidden fruit. There is a knowledge that they gain from that. Again, and I may make reference to this again in just a minute, but Eve even adds to the words of God after Satan comes around. Let me show you three things this morning and we'll go home. Number one, I want you to see this this morning. The knowledge that he gained from the forbidden fruit. Number one, he gained the knowledge of the power of Satan. The knowledge of the powers of Satan. Um, um, you ever heard somebody say this? Well, matter of fact, we say this about the President of the United States of America. Here's what we say a lot of times. That is the most powerful man in the world today. That is the most powerful one individual in the world today. Can I say something to you today? When we think about Satan, he is a powerful individual. He is a powerful individual. I think sometimes we do not understand just how powerful Satan is. Think about this with me. I, I, I thought about the deception by his personality in verse number one. The deception by his personality. What did the Bible say? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The, the, the power of his deception and his personality. That word subtle there means shrewd. It means crafty. It means sly. And that's exactly the way Satan is today. I thought about this, and I, I know I've said this before, but let me say it again. When you study your Bible, you know that Satan is a created being. Matter of fact, he was one of the archangels in heaven until he rebelled against God and God kicked him out of hell or out of heaven and created hell for the devil and watch this, and his angels. Not just for Satan, but for his angels also. Who is his angels? Well, we know them as the demons uh, that we know today. The demons out of hell and the demons who is referred to in the word of God. It is those other angels that followed Satan out of heaven. Now, think about this. Heaven's a, heaven's a perfect environment. Heaven is where the throne of God is, where God himself is, where the Lamb is seated at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ himself is. And if Satan was powerful enough to convince the other angels in heaven to follow him out of the very personal, if we can say it that way, presence of God, then why do we think we're any match for him today? Why do we think that we can go up against Satan? Why do we think that Satan will not hinder us and Satan will not harm us? Hear me and hear me well. If he caused Adam and Eve to sin in the garden and he caused the angels of heaven to walk out of heaven and follow him to hell, we're no match for Satan today. We are no match for Satan today. There was the deception of his personality, the power of Satan, the very power of Satan. What did Satan do? Here is the way that Satan attacked Eve to begin with. He attacked the Word of God. The, amen. The Word of God. What did he say in verse number one? Yea, 
hath God said. Yea, hath God said. You know what Satan's doing? He's saying, are you sure God said that? Look what he said in verse number 4. Ye shall not surely die. You know what he's saying? He's saying the word of God is not so. I want you to hear the preacher this morning. You want me to tell you what Satan's doing today with his deceptive personality? He is still attacking the very word of God today. He'll make you question his book and doubt the word of God today. His deceptive personality. Matter of fact, what did John say about him? John said this in chapter number 8 and verse number 44 that he was the father of all liars. He was the father of all liars. The power of Satan. I see his deception by his personality. But I see the desires by his proclaiming. The desires by his proclaiming. Verse number four through six. He says this. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know in the day, ye thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And ye shall be as the gods, knowing good and evil. The desires by his proclaiming. His proclaiming causes man to go against the word of God. I just showed you in verse number three. After Eve has listened to Satan speak four words. You say you really think he talked to her. The Bible said he did. That's what the Bible said. Bible said it. Matter of fact, that serpent wasn't on his belly when he come up. He wasn't on his belly. Matter of fact, there's a good chance he was probably as a beast of the field because the Bible refers to him as the most subtle animal of the beast of the field. And it wasn't the verse number fourteen that God curses him to the ground. So, in my personal opinion, he probably walks up. The serpent was completely different than what we know it today. The reason it's the way it is today is because it's been cursed by God. So leave it alone. These people that pick it up and play with it like Robert Potts, he's lost his mind. God cursed it. Leave it alone. Amen. a matter of fact, I like that part where your heel shall bruise his head. I just changed that up a little bit. Where my shovel shall bruise his head. Or where my shotgun shall bruise his head. Somebody say amen right there. But watch this. Four words from Satan. Four words. And Eve is adding to the word of God. Say, preacher, what are you trying to get us to see today? Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. We are no match for him. Look at this. The deception by spirit. But look at the desires of his proclaiming. Look at verse number six. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse number six. In our text this morning is a foundational verse in the Bible. For it contains the factors involved in the first temptation, the first failure, and the first sin in the human race. Verse number six is a very foundational verse in the Word of God because it's in verse number six that sin enters the world for the first time. I began to think about that.
I thought about this. Notice the progression in Eve. She saw that as her gaze was directed fully upon the forbidden fruit. She saw it. She saw it. You know, a lot of people say there's nothing wrong with seeing something. There's nothing wrong with seeing something. Was it a sin for David to see Bathsheba upon the roof like she was when he initially saw her? No. But when his look turned into lust, it became sin. Let me tell you the reason we better be careful in what we're looking at because if we're not, our look will turn into lust. Somebody help the preacher this morning. It will turn into lust. And that lust will lead ultimately to something else. I thought about this. Look at her progression. She saw it. Then she took. The aim now is to turn the desire into decision. She looked, then she took it. Boy, you can see all this in the life of David. He looked at Bathsheba, then he took Bathsheba. Watch this, the progression. Then we read that Eve ate. She did eat. Satan's aim was to turn the choice into a chain. With that very first bite, she was his. She was a sinner. John 8, 34. He that committeth sin is a slave to sin. She had been snared by the devil and could now be taken captive by his will. Watch this. Finally, we read that she gave the final aim was to turn the sinner into a seducer. To turn the sinner into a seducer. You know, many people don't sin by themselves. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Many people don't sin by themselves. Somebody's going to sin and, and, and commit fornication or adultery on their wife or on their husband. You know what they do? The sinner becomes a seducer. Everybody all right up in the house of the Lord this morning, ain't you? The sinner becomes a seducer. And you know what happens in the life of Eve? This perfect young lady that was living in a garden where everything was great. Hey, this powerful serpent comes to her and she becomes a sinner that leads her to being a seducer. Listen to this. The temptation of Adam proceeded along quite different. Knowing that Adam was made to rule from his intellect, Satan slanted the appeal quite differently to him. He made an appeal to Adam's emotion. Nowhere do you find that Satan said to Adam to take of the forbidden fruit. Satan said it to Eve and after Eve partook of it, then Eve being his better half, Eve being his wife, Eve being the one that he was emotionally connected to, comes to Adam and says, try this. And you know what Adam does? Adam falls into the same footsteps. Why? Because the sinner become a seducer. And now sin enters the whole world. The power of Satan today. What did that 
forbidden fruit open his eyes to? It opened his eyes. It opened his eyes to the power of Satan. I want to say this and I'm moving this morning. I want you to hear me. We are no match for Satan. That little thought that you're having in your mind and you think, well, I can handle it, you can't. That little look that you're getting down there at the job place, is everybody okay at Amazing Grace this morning? That little look that you're getting down there at the job place, sir, from that other lady, you can't handle that. Ma'am, the way that that guy talks to you every once in a while, you can't handle that. You said, preacher, I read my Bible. I do it. Eve was perfect. Created in the image of God. And Eve messed up. And Adam messed up. There's the power of Satan this morning. It opened his eyes to the power of Satan. But number two, let me move quickly. It opened his eyes to the penalty of sin. To the penalty of sin. Sin will always cost you something. Did you hear what I just said? It will always cost you something. After disobeying God, the eyes of Adam and Eve were open. Guilt has now opened their eyes and they realize that the grass is really not greener on the other side. The grass is really not greener on the other side. You know what? Somewhere this morning, somewhere this morning, there's a man that's sitting with children that their mother thought that the grass was greener on the other side. And today, she's strung out on dope somewhere. She's living the life of a harlot somewhere. She's running in this world somewhere. And some single dad is trying his best to raise his children in the fear of God. And the reason those children don't have a dad is because of sin. Because of the power of Satan. Because of the power of Satan. It opened his eyes to the penalty of sin. The grass was not greener on the other side. Oh, they got knowledge. They got knowledge about sin. They got knowledge about the penalty of sin. They got knowledge about what had to happen for sin to be covered. Think about this. There must have been joy among the demons when the news came that the father of lies had triumphed so spectacularly over creatures made in the likeness of God. Let me tell you what causes the demons of hell to rejoice and to jump about in glee when Satan gets the upper hand on us. When Satan pulls you out of the house of God. When Satan busts up a home. When Satan takes one of our young people and pushes them out into the world, into the drugs, into the alcohol, and to the adultery and the fornication of this world. The penalty of sin. It was greater than their efforts. Verse number 7 through verse number 10. I'm not going to take the time to read those verses. Now Adam and Eve attempt to cover themselves and hide from the Lord. They, you know, as you read this, then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What a wrong decision. Those fig leaves represent man's earliest attempts to cover up his sin. 
You know, a lot of people do today. Let me make sure I clear that history. Let me make sure I delete that message. Let me make sure, let me, yeah, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, here you go, you can look at anything I've got. You know what you're doing? You're attempting to sew fig leaves together to cover up your sin. And it did not work in Adam's day, and it will not work. It will not work in our day. It will not work in our day. Those fig leaves represent man's earliest attempts to cover up their sin. They provide himself with a covering to cloak his guilt and shame. They represent every effort man made by man or made by man to do something to make himself fit for the presence of God. Fig leaves never did in that day and they still do not today. Man is still trying himself or trying his best to sew his works together and to cover his sin. But the only covering of sin will be the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it, the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin. Adam is in the garden and God says, Adam, where art thou? Can I just say this? God knew where Adam was at. God never, never one time did God not know where Adam was at. God wanted Adam to realize where he was at. God wanted Adam to say, Lord, I've messed up. God wanted Adam to realize the condition that he was in. Hear me and hear me well this morning. If you continually cover your sins, you'll never prosper in the things of God. What you must do is run to an altar and uncover it before God. He already knows it. He already knows it. Sir, you may have that relationship hid from your wife, but you don't God. Ma'am, you may have that relationship hid from your husband, but you don't God. Teenager, you may have that sin hid from mama and daddy, but you don't have it hid before an almighty God. He already knows. The penalty of sin, it was greater than their efforts. It was greater than their efforts, but I thought about this. It was greater than their excuses. It was greater than their excuses. Verse number 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? It's God talking to Adam. Hast thou eaten of the tree wherefore I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God don't beat around the bush right here. He gets right down to the point. Who told you you was naked? Listen to this. I read this this week, or, or actually late last night. Listen to this. God went straight to the heart of the matter. Adam's discrimination was his incrimination. Did you hear what I just said? That's profound. I wish I could said I come up with that, but I didn't. I read it, okay? Adam's discrimination was his incrimination. Who told thee that thou wast naked? Adam must be made to confess his sin. Instead of doing so, however, he comes up with a despicable excuse. Listen to this. The woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me. Listen to that again. The woman whom thou gavest me. He just didn't say the woman. 
but he put in whom thou gavest me. This is probably, in my personal opinion, after studying this, one of the most disrespectful verses in the entire Word of God. You know what Adam does? Adam says, God, it's your fault because that woman you gave me is the reason I messed up. God didn't say, or or Adam didn't say, the woman made me do it. No, Adam said, God, the woman you gave me. Adam tries to put the blame back on God for making him do what he did. I want you to hear me this morning. God has never made you sin. God has never made you mess up. God has never made you fall. I pray to Satan, you do it in your own self. When you do not listen to the word of God, you yourself choose to sin. You your amen. You say, well, God could have led me out of that temptation. You're exactly right. And with every temptation, he makes a way of escape. We choose in our own power. And Adam tries in his excuses to blame it on God. Then to blame it on the woman. So God goes to the woman. And the woman blames it on the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Some of y'all will get that in a little while. She said, Preacher, what are you saying? I'm, I, I, the, the, the penalty of sin. It was greater than their efforts, and it was greater than their excuses. If you go out of this building today, if you, and I don't know why in the world God is, is making me say some of these things, but I've said it two or three times and I'm just going to say it again. If you go out of this building today and you have an affair on your spouse, sir or ma'am, God didn't make you do that. You chose to do that yourself. God made a way of escape. Sir, if you go out of this building today, and go get drunk. God didn't make you do that. You said, preacher, you just don't understand how bad the storm is. You don't understand how big God is, evidently. If you go get messed up on dope today, God didn't cause you to do that. Amen, amen, and amen again. You choose in your own will to do that. And there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse. What did it do? The forbidden fruit brought Adam knowledge about the power of Satan and the penalty of sin. You see, that penalty of sin was for the wages of sin is death. See, that penalty of sin, now, Brother Josh, something had to die so Adam and Eve could live. Their self-righteousness wasn't cutting it. And we know that God kills an animal makes coats of skin and places those on Adam and Eve for their forgiveness, the penalty of sin. But aren't you glad that that's not where the Scripture left us? Aren't you glad that that's not where the Bible leaves us at? Verse number 15 says this, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first promise of the coming Redeemer. 
It is the first scripture that gives us hope that a man named Jesus is on the way. You see that forbidden fruit? It did give them knowledge of the power of Satan and the penalty of sin. But it also gave them knowledge of the promise of the Savior. The, amen goes right there. If you ain't said amen nowhere else, you can say it right here. The promise of the Savior. You know what he's saying in this verse? There's one coming. There's one on the way. Amen. There's one on the way. Ah, look at this. I don't have time to preach all of this. Simply what he is saying is that because of your sin and because of your mess up, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And on Calvary that day, on Calvary that day, on Calvary that day, you know what happened? The heel of Christ bruised the head of the serpent. And just three chapters in, to the word of God were introduced to the, to the serpent. But just three chapters before the end of the word of God, we see Satan as he's cast into hell. Oh, yes. And victory is finally won. Victory's already won, but temptation is gone and Satan is defeated. I thought this morning, come start playing Miss Tanya about the power of Satan. And when I think about that, when I think about that, I, I, was, um, I was teaching Bible college on Tuesday night. And I thought about some of the men of days gone by that was way greater preachers than I'll ever be that's failed to sin and that is completely out of the ministry today and I told the, the guys and the gals there in Bible college here's what I told I said it's our time we cannot continually talk about people of days gone by. We cannot continue talking about the patriarchs of days gone by and the preachers of days gone by and the great ladies that was prayer warriors of days gone by. Hey, look up in here. It's our time. It's our time. It's time for us, Brother Joe, to rise up and shine. It's time for somebody to get in the prayer closet and pray like Granny used to. Time for some teenage girl to say, God, make me a prayer warrior. It's time for some young married lady to say, God, take my dreams away from me and help me to do your will in my life. I'm pushing Madeline and my kids to go on and do something with their life. But more than anything, they should want to please God with their life. It's time for some young men to say, God, make me into what you want me to be. I've said this and I've said it and I've said it and I've said it again. I'm going to say it again. If you meet the qualifications of a preacher, you should surrender to preach. I'm not saying announce your call to preach. But I'm saying this. You say, God, if you want me to preach, then I'll preach. Every family in here ought to surrender to the mission field. Say, preacher, where am I going to go? Well, I hope you don't go nowhere. 
But you ought to say, God, if you want my family, go to the mission field. God, help me, we'll get done. So preacher, what would I do? You'd live by faith. It's one of the greatest trips of life. <laughs> Amen. And I thought about all those men of days gone by. David was a man after God's own heart. You don't find that said nowhere else in the Bible. David failed to sin. The power of Satan today. Our homes are not above being messed up. My home is one choice away from being split up. My ministry is one choice away from being done. The power of Satan, the penalty of sin. And aren't you glad there was a promise of a Savior? His name is Jesus. He came to earth, He bled, and He died. Rose one third and glorious morning. Forty days later, He ascended back into the heavens and He sent us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. Now that Holy Spirit dwells within us. And it's what convicts us. It's what shows us that we're wrong. I'll read you a verse. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Did you hear what I just said? Partial obedience is complete disobedience. I really believe in my heart there's probably some people in your mind you're struggling with decisions. You know what's right. You know what you're supposed to do. But you've allowed the power of Satan to pull you away from that close communion that you once had with God. And can I say something to you? I've been there. And you know what? It'll cost you something to get back to that close fellowship again. Sin always costs. I thought about this verse. In John chapter 2, the marriage at Canaan. And his mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatever that is in your life that God is dealing with you on, you need to take care of it. You need to take care of it. There's probably some young people that's got some friends that you need to get rid of. You need to get rid of. Probably some things social media you need to get rid of. I had an individual tell me this week, we was talking. An individual told me this week. He looked at me and this is what he asked me. Very learned individual in this area. He said, has your kids got Snapchat? I looked at him and I said, no, not that I know of. He said to you and I said, no, I don't. Here's exactly what he told him, Brother John. He looked straight at me and he said, if you do or your kids do, he said, I'm telling you, get rid of it. This man don't even hardly go to church, but he's very learned in this area. He, looked, he said, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Satan is using all of these tools today, church, to bust up homes, 
to, to, to divide it, to drag our young people into the world. And I hear this so many times, well, I just want my youngest to fit in. I don't want my youngest to fit in. Because the Bible told me that I was supposed to be a peculiar person. That's what it said, Brother Adam. That's what it said. I've heard this statement before. Oh, Adam, he's just different, ain't he? And you know what I say, Brother Sean? You're exactly right. Thank God he's different. Thank God the world knows oh Adam Myers is different. He's different. There's something different about that boy. You know what my daddy said this week? My daddy said, I sit down with that boy and eat a cone of ice cream. I said, okay. He said, he prayed. And I said, well, aren't we supposed to? He said, but John, you'd have thought God was sitting right beside him. He just said, now Lord, I I want you to bless them. He said, I'm telling you, you thought God was his best friend sitting beside him and he's just having a conversation with him. I said, is that not what we're supposed to do? He said, yeah, I'm just telling you, that's what he was. That's what we're supposed to be. If we are the world, how will we win the world? Can I tell you something? We won't because the world has already won you. If you're just like the world, you're not winning the world. The world's won you. I'm just being honest with you. The power of Satan, church. May we never forget how strong and how powerful he is. And we don't have to fall a prey to that. God's give us the Holy Spirit that indwells with us once we're saved, that leads us and guides us. And whatever God's telling you to do, you know what Mary said to him? Do it. Do it. Do it. Might be some man, some young man, some old man. God's burning in his heart to preach. Let me tell you what you'll do. You'll do it. You said, Preacher, how am I going to do that? Preacher, I can't. That's the reason he's telling you too. Not need to be some mom and daddy. Let's pile up an altar. Say, God, I've let my guard down. God, help me put that guard back in my children's life. Mine may mess up before the sun goes down today. Madeline may get in her car and drive off this afternoon, Brother Brian, and, 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 and become a dope head. She may go live a different lifestyle than I've ever taught her. But you know what? As long as she's at my house, I'm going to try my best to guard her. And you say, what are you going to do if she messes up? I'm going to still love her. Because she's my youngin'. I'm not going to excommunicate or not have nothing to do with her. I'm going to still love her because she's my youngin. She's my youngin. I'm going to do everything in my power. Put a hedge around her. I, we're going home. Just in recent days. This whole parenting thing, it's a whole different story when they start driving. And, 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 and they, they hit 15, 16, 17 years. It's a whole different world. Just in recent days, Brother Scotty, I've had to set my daughter down and warn her against so-called Christians. 
that's her age. That lives a different lifestyle out there. That talks a different way. That acts a different way out there. And let me tell you exactly what I've told her. Love them. Be kind to them. But if you have to be by yourself, it's better to be by yourself and be in the center of God's will than get messed up in the world. So they need to learn. You're exactly right, and that's the reason I'm teaching her. So I don't agree with your style of parenting. Well, you're not going to stand before God for it. I am. I'm just being honest. Satan wants to destroy every one of these young people's lives. He wants to destroy every home in this church. I'm going to tell you something. We better never forget the power of Satan this morning.